Poopery, the original before you go toilet spray that has over 100,000 five-star reviews. It's always formulated with essential oils and plant-based ingredients that eliminate bathroom odor before it even begins. Essential for our home. So many shared toilets with all the smells, plus it's female-founded and a Texas-based company. You know we love that. Yeah. <laughs> plus, if you have any upcoming travel, Poopery 2-ounce and the travel side 10 millimeters are TSA-friendly. The brand Puri also has many additional odor eliminators products for your homes, pets, shoes, and more. Visit www.puri.com. 20% off your first purchase. Just use code Bathroom Chronicles 20. Today we talk about a very raw and detailed account of a pregnancy loss that I had late term. And so I just wanted to share that if you're in a tender place, you don't feel like getting into something deep like this, or um, it could be triggering for you just to give yourself permission to not listen to this episode. If you feel that it could be healing, I welcome you to listen heart forward and uh, we can share in the grief and the tears with you through my personal story and James' account of what we went through. Hi, baby. Hi, James, my husband. Hi, James, my friend. Hi, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Um, we wanted to have you on in, in your own bathroom on the land to get into some pretty deep stuff that's happened to us in life. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I renovated the bathroom before we did it. <laughs> yeah, there's a little more space in here now. Yeah. So James and I have had six beautiful children and we've had five miscarriages, two of which were late term mm -hmm. near one was felt like a near death experience to me. And it's very appropriate to be talking about it in this group because Peggy was there with me mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't talk about it without you because it was also your experience this is super emotional for me, so I'm going to have Peggy lead the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, so any context for the time <laughs> in your life when this was going on? What, James, what were you doing at this time in your life when Kimberly was pregnant? Do you, do you want me to just tell my side of the story? Yes. I don't want to ball, yeah. I don't want to ball hog this because this is clearly something that you went through. Well, there's this, I think, misconception that the man isn't going through it as well. So yeah, let's tell your story and I'll zip it up where my capacity is with my side of it as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was at a really <clears throat> wild time in my life. I'm going to back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you want, you can cut any of this out. Um, my whole life, I had wanted to dance. I'd wanted to be good at dancing. And my whole life, I never was. I was a kid at a middle school dance who was afraid to go out on the floor, afraid everybody was looking at him. Um, and I'd always secretly wanted to do Dancing with the Stars because I really wanted to learn how to dance. But my ego would just mess with me and I always thought if I do Dancing with the Stars, it means my career is over. <laughs> it means I've just admitted that it's... And so... Um, I mean, to the point where when I did Don't Just to Be in Apartment 23, I pitched a storyline where the fake me went on the fake dancing with the stars because oh, wow. that was my way of doing it. Right. So I learned 20 seconds of a cha-cha and it was, and I loved it. Um, 
But that was really the only dance I'd ever taken. The only dance mm-hmm. class I'd ever taken was those like 20 seconds that we did in the show. Um, and then I had an experience uh, in ceremony where uh, the medicine voice said to me, repeat after me, I don't have to perform for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, got it. And the entire night I wrestled with this. You can imagine at that point, almost 30 years of being an actor, plus all the performing one does for my parents, for my coaches, my teachers, church, all this stuff. Um, and so I tried to fight it the first night and it was miserable. And then I was told, come back for the second night. The second night is like a reward. And I said, okay, great. I journaled. I don't have to perform for anybody. Came back. <laughs> as soon as the ceremony starts, it comes in again. Repeat after me. I'm like, no, I got this. And the medicine's like, no, you don't. Mm. Which medicine? This was ayahuasca. Mm. Okay. This was ayahuasca. Um, and I wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And then finally, um, around the middle of night two, I just relaxed and accepted and stopped trying to navigate with my head and just finally kind of relaxed into just being. And it was a, the one moment of respite I had those two nights. And I'm sitting and it was a, it was a big circle. It was an immaculately, immaculately held container. Um, and there are people in a circle and music was being played. Nobody was in the middle of dancing. And the medicine said, now get up and dance. And I thought, I'm going to throw up if that <laughs> happens. And the medicine said, you really want to second guess this now? I'm like, no, 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 no. I got it. So I got up and I started moving. And it was the most glorious expression to be in the middle of that I'd ever had. There were people watching and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I was just letting the music move me. And the more ferociously this one played, the the more fiercely I danced. And we looked at each other. We made eye contact. And I'd never been in that, that flow of creativity without the other voice wondering what people were thinking. Mm. It was the most authentic I'd maybe ever been. And the next day... Um, Kim, you, your story, your side of the story as well. Uh, yeah, well, the next day there was an integration circle where everybody's sharing their experience and so many people in this circle brought up this moment where James was dancing, asking him if he was a professionally trained dancer, if, <sighs> you know, and I looked at him, I'm like, what happened last night? I didn't get to witness a split second of this glory and it was the topic of conversation. And uh, <laughs> the, and the woman playing came up to me later and said, everybody's talking about your dance. I missed it. I was like, what do you mean? She said, I always play with my eyes closed. Oh. I said, no, 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 we made eye contact. <laughs> I always play with my eyes closed. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, that was a cosmic, art- artistic, creative connection in that moment. And the one thing that people said was, you should do something with it. It really helped me. It moved me through Mm. a part of my ceremony. It Mm. 
And it's wild because it's the thing that I've been wanting to do through acting or writing for so many years. And all of a sudden at 42, I think, 43, mm-hmm. I step into this thing that moves people the way I've always been wanting to be able to move people just by being in complete and total authenticity. Um, so then I get, after that, I get after Dancing with the Stars again. It always kind of comes up from time to time. And I finally said, fuck it. I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to do it. My, some people on my team thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Everybody was scared. I had a project in development, a very cool project at a very cool place, and they were all had to be talked off of a ledge, the fact that I was doing this. Um, I was also, I was on an Emmy nominated show, so I had some cachet. So I thought, well, they can't say that my career is over now. So (laughs) instead of using that cachet to go do some dark, cool, gritty, independent, I was like, I'm using that cachet to go do Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) And, uh, and I did, and I wanted to, I wanted to learn how to dance. I wanted that experience. I also wanted my kids to see me try something I hadn't tried before. And I wanted them to see me struggle a little Mm. bit. And I wanted them to see me work through it. What I did not anticipate, I, I, my ego was big enough to the point where I, if I didn't think I could be good at it, I wouldn't have done it. But um, <laughs> Some honesty there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I thought I was going to suck, I would never have even thought. So I thought I could be pretty good at it, but I ended up being way better at it than I'd even hoped I would be. And it just mm-hmm. was such a natural fit. I loved it. Remember the first, the first performance, um, I was on my mark and I'm supposed, I, was, I was supposed to be staring straight ahead, very serious and take my hand across my hat like that. And as the, the announced, you know, now dancing the tango with this part, it's James Vanderbeek. As they were announcing it, I'm, was, I'm looking around and going, I'm on a stage <laughs> in front of people. This is fucking awesome. I was so elated from the inside out. I'm like rocking up and I realized I had this shit eating grin on my face. And so I put my head down just to kind of like hide it. And if you watch it now, if you go on YouTube or whatever, I have this smirk on my face when it comes. And that's the most I could suppress (laughs) my just unabashed joy. And instantly people were giving me the kind of validation that I'd ne- that I always wanted as an actor, but had never gotten. So it was this crazy triumph of this thing that was so brand new to me. And I was, it was just this opening up in life. And when you're dancing, you're always, you lead with your heart. So I was crying more easily. I was more emotional. I was in touch. Mm. Wasn't feeling called to any ceremony any anything i was just always in my heart and it was so therapeutic and amazing i had this great partner emma is fantastic i love her love emma um and it was this triumph and then i was talking to the producers because every week you have to do a package and um so explain what a package is okay for- a, a package before you dance they play a little um clip of you learning to dance we're doing the you know the quick step this week and this is what's going on in your life and it's kind of for the audience to get to know you because really it is a reality show right Mm -hmm. i I, (laughs) um yeah so 
they need that little reality show kind of segment before you dance. And I was talking to the producer about what was going on and I was realizing I was gonna have to tell them that Kim was pregnant because she's starting to show uh, with baby number six. And he said, well, if there's any way we could see an ultrasound. And we, before that, I mean, our first four kids, we didn't even post a picture until a year after they were born. So I thought there's no way that Kim is gonna say yes to you know, an ultrasound. Cameras in the ultrasound room. Wow. And so I called Kim. I said, yeah, you know, doing this this week and we're talking about maybe announcing the baby week three. They've asked for a camera to be in the room, but I, I told them no. And Kim said. I had had a vision in a, a lucid dreaming state that there would be cameras in the room for our first ultrasound. I saw exactly the room and I snapped out of it and I was like, whoa, I, I don't know if I'd say yes to that. And I don't know if James would say yes to that. But mm -hmm. I found his timing to be remarkable because I had been wondering for weeks when he was finally going to tell them I was pregnant. And the morning that I had that vision was the day that he asked that they had asked him mm. about coming into the ultrasound. And that was a very nervous thing for me to think about because I had had three miscarriages yeah. or a couple times where I'd go to get an ultrasound and there is a baby, but there's nothing beating. Yeah. Yeah. So I was nervous, but also yeah. it felt very divine. I'm starting to trust those visions, you know, that time in my life where really just trusting the intuition and surrendering uh, to, to what felt a divinely aligned. It really did feel aligned. And I couldn't believe I was up for it either. Mm -hmm. What was really cute was how protective Dr. Fishbein was of us and Beth, our midwife, mm -hmm. with cameras in the room. You know, it, they were the exact opposite of, oh, wow, there's a camera here. This is good for me. They were really protective of our emotional space. And mm -hmm. like, if the result is not what we want, you know, there's going to be hard for them to go through on camera. And I just remember feeling, wow, they really care about us. Oh, they're the best. In that moment. Beth um, Cannon and Dr. Stuart Fishbein. And might I add that we were walked to exactly the room of the many rooms that I had had the vision yeah, in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there was a heartbeat. And so um, it was very convenient for our package because I was dancing to the song Walking on Sunshine, oh. which would have been a little <laughs> tricky to try to pull off a package if <laughs> there was no <laughs> there was no heartbeat. Um and so I would. I did this whole incredible journey on Dancing with the Stars. I was favored to win in week one. The odds in Vegas were the, and it was just it was crazy too because I did. I went to the Emmy Awards like week two or three of, of the show, and you know you go to the Emmy Awards and you want people to be excited to talk to you about this cool project or whatever. I've never had press so excited to talk to me as they were about dancing. Wow. And it was just, it just flew in the face of all typical career logic, doing a reality dancing show. And it just lit me up. And we were happy. It was our kids' favorite oh, day of the man. week as we would all go and watch him. It was really a celebration of James and his creativity and just letting his guards down and being who he is. And it was a celebration also of sharing 
who we are in such yeah. an intimate way and everybody got to celebrate in the pregnancy yeah. and each week you would watch my belly grow on camera and yeah and, and you were electrifying it was yes. i mean i was the gift of going with you guys mm. and it was it was electrifying to yeah. watch you dance and to experience that and just the joy and the being in the trailer and the kids excitement and it was it was a really special time so fun yeah yeah, my favorite moment was uh, walking out and seeing you and the kids there yeah. and going up and Olivia being so proud. I mean, to do something where your kid is proud of you, I mean, they all thought that was so cool. <laughs> and I just loved it. I loved that connection to the audience. To, you know, And also, listen, the bar for celebrities is pretty low, right? So there, if you can move at all, there, th- that's a win. Um, and if you can do something, Emma always choreographed a, a storyline to the routine. So it was just, it was, there was heart to it and it was mm-hmm. amazing. My mom came out, I had a moment with her. Mm-hmm. It was just really, really triumphant uh, moment in life where I thought, wow, I really don't know anything. All my logic would have said not to do this. And here it is, it's the best possible thing ever. And then the night before, two nights before the semifinals, um, you want me to? Yeah. We were sitting on the couch watching TV as a family, and I looked at James and I said, I feel off. He goes, Okay. Okay. And then we kept watching, and I said, No, no, I feel like I'm dilating. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, I got to go into a meditation, and I cleared my head. And I kept hearing the word fortitude, 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 fortitude. And I looked at James, my human dictionary, and I said, what does fortitude mean? And he said, strength. And I said, okay, I'm strong. I'm good. I'm good. Then I really felt like I was dilating. So I went upstairs and I looked up the word fortitude and it's strength during emergency situations. And that's when I text you and Jenna and Odie and Stacy and Teeny. And I text you guys, I think I'm about to have a miscarriage. And two minutes later, I was in the shower. And I think we can spare details of that. But what was your experience from there, James? I was also told that I would have to end up in the hospital, which... I was like, I'm not going to. I'm just hearing things because I've, you know, I'm not going to have to go to the hospital for this. Um, God, I must have gone out of body because I'm trying to actually put together this step by step. I remember, listen, 18 and a half weeks. There are 17 and a half. 17 and a half weeks. There, there are details. There are fingers as a face. Um, And when I held him in my hand, that was when I really just saw that he was perfect. And I just let out a, just I had grown, just an absolute, it was just so much pain and it was so unexpected because everything was right, everything was fairy tale, everything was coming together perfectly. And um, 
then it progressed very quickly into being worried about Kim, who, I mean, we were both just crying and sobbing. And there was a lot of blood, way more blood than in any delivery. <laughs> and then I somehow got the kids to bed. I don't think they knew what was happening. Gwen was sleeping in our room at the time. And then Kim lied down in the shower and then wasn't waking up. So that's when I called 911. We were living in Actually, oh. Peggy comes into this story beforehand because yeah, I... You called me, James. I called you. Yeah, you yeah, called you're me. Bla- you're blacking out yeah. a little bit. Yeah, you called me and you said, um, Kim's had a miscarriage, can you come down? And this yeah. was about around 11.30, 11.45, midnight on a Saturday night. And I was deep into a meditation group. Yeah. And so um, Bobby was there. So I just excused myself. And I said, I have a friend who has an emergency and I may or may not be back. And um, and literally, we're living two blocks apart. Thank God. And yeah, and so I just rushed down. And, um, and you had told me the kids are asleep. So just come upstairs and be quiet. And so I just came upstairs and you were... Um, in shock, yeah. Um, just standing there, um, yeah. kind of not knowing what to do, and um, all the color was drained from you. And Kim mm. was in the shower on the floor, not moving. And I just ran in there and just laid in the shower with her. In my and, blood, Peggy was laying in my blood. Yeah, and just really um, wanted mm. to see her state, you know. And um, and so I was giving her some Reiki, and, and I'm like, okay, have you called 911? And he's like, she won't let me. Not my smartest moment. <laughs> and Especially being told beforehand that I would need to go to the hospital. Yeah. and You're stubborn. <laughs> Jeez. And then you started to kind of like lose consciousness again. And I said, James, I don't care if she wants to go or not, she's going. Just yeah. please call 911. And you did. And, um, and so I just laid there and did Reiki on you until these amazing, these, this amazing Beverly Hills... Um, emergency team showed up. They are the They were incredible. They were great. They were the incredible. They, were, they came in with humanity, with compassion. Mm-hmm. They covered me up. Yeah. You know. They covered you up. They were not talking down to you, even though you were trying to say you didn't want to go to the hospital. They're like, and they knew you would have to, but they kind of gave you an, okay, well, if you can sit up. I also knew I would have to. And then you couldn't sit up. Yeah. So and when I sat up, I fainted. Every time <clears throat> you would move, you would faint. I would lose yeah. consciousness, yeah. yeah. I remember um, there was a moment where I was conscious and I just, it stuck with me in a moment where I thought I was going to die. So it was like you holding Gwen who woke mm-hmm. up. Who woke up in the you, middle of this, yeah. Your face is just so stunned. Like, what is happening? And then that moment lasted just one second because I lost consciousness again. I believe they all carried me down the stairs because I remember a yeah. split yeah, second they of put that. Put you in a gurney. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then you had to stay with the kids. Well, I had asked James, "What did he want me to do? Did he want me to stay with the children, or did he want me to go with Kim?" And he said, "I think I just better be here with the with the kids because yeah. Gwen was, you know, half in, a, half out." On your shoulder. And Gwen is tricky. And then if the other kids wake up. And then, and then I'm there's there. there's so much noise and yeah. flashing lights I, like I wanted. Could have been traumatizing for them. Yeah. I felt like they needed one parent home. Yeah. 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 Thank God you were there to go with Kim. Yeah. So that was, they 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 were so, you know, great. They let me ride in the ambulance and um, just, you know, kind of gave me some updates on what was going on with you mm-hmm. and just wanting to get you right to the emergency room and make sure they could assess everything 
properly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get there. And it's like a room of 10 to 12 people. Yeah. Trying to bring me back. And the doctor is just, he's a young guy and he's walking around with his arms folded and he's like, he started telling everybody um, to prepare for the blood transfusions. And I really like to make conscious decisions. So I went into a meditation and I heard, get the blood. And so I said, okay. I'm going to get the blood. They didn't have enough blood warmers at the time. So they were having to put cold blood in me as well. So my whole body was shaking and I just kept thinking like, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And I'm, I'm looking up at the lights, these fluorescent lights. I kept hearing the word surrender. And since I was being guided by some voice the whole night, knowing, okay, fortitude and, um, and you're going to go to the hospital and now I'm hearing surrender. And I thought, is this one of those moments that you hear about that you Mm. read about where you fight for your life? Because I'm going to fight for my life. So I wouldn't let go. I wasn't surrendering. And I kept looking at these lights, feeling like seeing the vision of James, what I thought my, like Mm. James and Gwen and just my life flashing and flashing and geez. And so, um, hearing surrender. And I remember getting to the point where I heard the doctor say, this isn't working. And he was talking about the blood transfusions. This is not working. Yeah. And just hearing surrender, 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 and the machines all making these noises and just fading in and out. And I remember hitting a wall and being like, like, I don't have a fight anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I cannot fight. Um, I'm done. I've given like my greatest battle. Like I can't do it. And I just saw James and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to surrender into the abyss. I'm going to die and I'm done. I'm done here. And, and, and I'm, I'm just, I have to, I have no choice. And so I went I'm like, okay, I'm going to be at peace and surrender. And I, and I thought about the fact that my mom was on vacation. I couldn't call her, mm. you know, um, she's on a cruise ship. And, and the moment, like you guys, literally the moment I surrendered, where I thought was going to be the moment that I died, the machines all started a steady rhythmic beat again. And everybody had this like cheery moment of, after a few hours, like just me coming back. And I was like, what a lesson from God. Hmm. How do you not believe in God when literally you've been guided through the entire night to that moment? It was like, trust, surrender. This is your lesson. Like you have to surrender. And you just, you can't even make that up. The moment the moment is when the machine started going rhythmically. And I, it was like just there was the before the surrender and the after. And um, that was like wild. And you're right. There was a lot of time. I mean, because I think, you know, they must have, it was probably four hours that wow. we were in that emergency room because they didn't get us to a room until five a.m. and um, yeah. and they probably you know left James's house. I don't know one one fifteen something like that. So there were several yeah. hours that yeah. that and it for me not understanding emergency rooms or protocols or anything, and for them to allow me to be there with you through the whole thing, yeah, was that in itself was pretty remarkable. They just had me you know stand 
to the side. So when you did yeah. wake up, you could see that I was right there. Yeah. And, um, but it was. It was scary. <laughs> huh. To witness mm. um, your struggle, your fear. What does this mean? And then going yeah. across, then going into like, give me a minute. And they're like, we don't have a minute. And I said, give her a minute. Yeah. And you're going in and checking in and, and doing, you know, all the beautiful things that you're guided to do. And um, and then coming out and going, okay, I'm ready now, right? To really see that presence and recognize that how important that is now that we hear this story of what you are being guided to, to surrender and to let go and then to see that outcome. And at the same time, I'm tuning in going, nope, she's not dying. But it was, damn, the human part of yourself that comes up going, what if I'm wrong? Mm. And, um, you know, yeah, and, but it was, it was terrifying. And, um, and at the same time, I'm so grateful to be part of the experience with you guys in, in the, those moments when I was needed yeah. and where I was able to witness your strength and your strength. And at the same time, both of your vulnerabilities it was, I, I couldn't have done it without you. Mm. So thank you. Like that was just so big and big in our friendship. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think James, that would have been too much for him. He'd still be ugh, too much. And I'll, I also very quickly, because I want to really like honor your story, your full story in this. But um, I did have a healing with Western medicine on that day because uh, a lot of people don't know, but I took a medication when I was a baby had a skip in my brainwave seizure. You know, I had to be on brain medicine for four years for a medication that I took when I was a baby. So I think my cells of my body have been questioning for a very long time, is this mm -hmm. necessary? And so it may sound crazy to have that moment where I took a pause, but for me, it was very healing. And I chose the doctors in the room and I chose the medicine being offered. And it was mm. my decision. And it's very clear to me that it was an energetic decision that I was making and a surrender that I was making. So, yeah, there was a, a level of healing. And then life goes on, right? Then they try feeding you pancakes for breakfast. We won't talk about my conversation with the nutritional <laughs> advisor at the or hospital lack after, of one <laughs> after that where i told them their only job is to make sure that people have a healing meal and they're giving you high fructose corn syrup <laughs> high fructose corn syrup mandarin oranges biscuit pancakes scrambled eggs and a carton of milk oh wow i had a field day with that but we just, kim was back i was thrilled to hear her go at it with <laughs> with yeah. the poor nurse because like what you call this breakfast no, there's no, nothing no, no. fresh here not to make light of it but we went through the same thing about less than a year later and came into the exact same conversation with the nutritional advisor. I know. <laughs> the you second know, time at the hospital too. I, I, I would I like... I was like, oh, thank God she's back. Oh, I know. <laughs> and thank God for this little bit of respite and the story where my feistiness yeah. gets to come out. Yeah. But what I want to say is this, this happened on November 17th. And I want to put a pin in this story because I got pregnant again surprisingly. And at 17 and a half weeks, we went through a, tr a, a series of events to where I listened way more quickly than I did the first time. 
But the wild thing is that that baby was due November 17th. So this happened on November 17th and then I got pregnant again and that baby was due November 17th. So um, the divine was certainly in the works of completing a circle and really teaching me this lesson of surrender. And to go back to that moment, James is at a time in life where he is on the biggest high of being heart forward and watches, you know, me, the love of your life, go through this. And it was just such a tender time on camera with millions of people watching. Well, at first, before there was a camera, there was just quiet. Yeah. You were gone. The ambulance had taken you away. I got Gwen back to bed. And I'm just sitting there in a bathroom full of blood. Mm. Oh, I haven't even heard this. And a dead little baby on the counter. And it was just a gut punch, an emotional gut punch. It was almost like I felt suckered, punched. Like, <clears throat> here's this amazing thing, this triumphant moment you've shared, and now, bam, just. I texted Emma at like three in the morning saying, my dance partner, I think I'm I'm not doing the show. This was on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we tape on Mondays live. And so I said, you know, so we lost the baby. Kim's at the hospital. I'm not showing up tomorrow. I'm probably not dancing Monday. Just want to let you know. I wanted her to be the first to know and to hear it from me. And I think I texted a producer. And I don't really remember much, honestly, until I saw you in the hospital the next day. I brought Olivia, I think. Yeah, you brought her. I remember her snuggling with you and just mm. sitting there. And I brought you a bunch of food because <laughs> I'd gotten word that the food situation was <laughs> was not tenable. So, um, yeah, I just remember just sitting there and being there with you in that moment, in that sadness. Those, those are the moments where life is just undeniable and you are awake and open in ways that you aren't normally mm. and all you can do is just breathe through it and be in it fully mm. and that's what i remember about that hospital moment and then you were asking me about the show and he's saying i'm not like i haven't even talked to him but i'm not dancing like that's i think the show's done and you looked at me and said, I'm not done watching you dance. <laughs> yeah, it was my favorite thing. I wanted to see the samba again. This is the semifinals that were going to be on Monday. And then the finals, you dance one dance from, you know, like your, your favorite dance of the, of the season. And then you dance the freestyle, which I was really looking forward to. So then came the issue of the show. Now, a lot of people have been through pregnancy loss. A lot of people have been through late-term pregnancy loss. 
but I feel like I was maybe one of, maybe the only one to have to figure out what to do about a reality dance competition the next day. Um, and the way the show works is you, you, you do your, your thing on Monday and then you celebrate for about you know, two seconds and then early morning Tuesday, you're learning a new dance. Mm. That week we were learning two new dances. So I had a cha-cha and I had a foxtrot. So it was double, you know, the load. So to miss camera blocking where you show up and you're on the stage, you run it with everybody, mm. you run it with the music. Um, you know, there's a lot you learn in camera blocking. Wow. There's a lot of wow. fine tuning that happens in camera blocking. But I just thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. And if I'm looking back now, probably a little bit of it might have been some bypassing too. Mm. Like just let me just jump into this other thing. And um, and I got on the phone with the producers. I feel like laughing because it seems so silly to me right now. So maybe that's good. I got on the phone with Dina and uh, this other producer. And it was like, well, how do we handle this? Like how do we tell people? Do we not tell people? Like whatever you want to do. And I was like, well, the first one is a cha-cha to Jamiroquai. I don't think I could tell the news and then dance that. So what seemed a good idea at the time was let's just do the first dance and not tell anybody. And then um, maybe Tom Bergeron can say something. And I was like, I trust Tom completely because he's, he's just a good human being and thinks on his feet. And I said so much, so many reasons to feel safe with him on stage. And then we'll, we'll record a package and then we'll tell people and then you'll dance the next dance. And I thought, okay, that feels like the only way to go about this. On Monday, I wake up early in the morning. I get to the rehearsal studio for one quick rehearsal with Emma because we needed it. And she just hugged me and we cried. And she's like, I will be strong for you. I'm like, just be present with me. You don't need to be strong. You don't need to be anything. You just need to be you. And she, she took to heart and, and really did. Um, I mean, this is somebody I'd met you know, 10 weeks prior. Now yeah. is like there in that crazy moment. And then um, I drove to the studio and I sat in a room and in front of a camera with my Sigma producer, Dave West, who I also trusted by this point. He and I were tight. And I was like, okay, here we go. And so I just talked about it. And I don't, I know what I said because I've seen it, but it just fell out of my mouth. And I just talked about how this little soul who we'd expected to welcome into our family took a shortcut to whatever lies beyond. And I said, you know, you never know why these happen, these things happen. You just know that it breaks you open in a way that, that you weren't before. And then I went into the to the hall and, and everybody around, I just got a lot of hugs. Like I got a lot of hugs and it was great. Um, and that meant a lot. And then next thing I knew, I was faking my way through a cha-cha <laughs> on national television. And it was definitely not my best dance. Like it was, you know, it was like, it was camera blocking level quality. <laughs> and I scored very low. I was so 
therapist. I love that it's become about this reality dancing competition. <laughs> this horror. But we got married. Life. We got married to it, and so much heart mm. was present in it. And I was in front of all the kids, swearing up a storm, saying, "Sometimes in life, it's okay to swear, guys, and this is it." <laughs> so uh, I'm the lowest scored dancer by the end of the of the first round, and then we go into the second round, and this is the this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. So I go on to my mark. And the way that the show works is you stand on your mark while they play your package, which you've never seen, you know, up mm. on a big screen. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere toward the end of your, your package, you hear a boop, 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 which you don't hear when you watch it on television. And that, that those beeps are for you to count in. So you, you know, you start exactly with the music. <laughs> and so I'm standing on the mark in the middle of the ballroom, which has been my refuge, my happy place, my exalted place. And they start playing the package and my head is, you know, a hundred times the mm. size up there. And I say, we lost the baby. And I can feel the entire audience. I can feel their heartbreak. Mm. I can hear them go, no. And just the energy of the room was unlike anything I'd ever felt before. They're now experiencing in real time what I've been dealing with for a little more than 24 hours. And I look at Emma and Emma just has her fingers in her ears like, like don't mm. listen, don't watch. But I did. Because I couldn't not. And I got to say, the, that editor who cut that package together with a, under the gun cut it together beautifully. To this mm. day, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of ever having done on television. Mm. It was just raw. It was real. And he edited it so beautifully. He wasn't afraid to let a moment hang. There was silence. It was just so expertly done. So I really want to shout out. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden I hear the boop, 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 and I'm dancing. And I know at the end I'm supposed to like kind of go in on the ground in a kind of a fetal position, and I just can't wait to get there. Mm-hmm. And usually, I mean, I worked on 9-11, like the wouldn't the production that I was shooting the rules of attraction, they wouldn't uh, give us an insurance day. The insurance company wouldn't, so I had to work on that day. Like I watched the towers fall, oh. went, to, went to work. Oh my god! And did Awful. it. I worked through fevers. I mean, now post COVID, nobody will work through a fever, but I've worked with a <laughs> hundred four degree fever before. Wow! I mean, I've worked through a lot, and I'm used to using that and channeling it. Right? You kind of this was just too much. Yeah. It was the only time I'd ever been on a dance floor and I could not wait to be done. Mm-hmm. I remember doing these these spins thinking, oh, I'm almost there. And then I slid in Emma to end it and I just broke down. She broke down and the judges were very nice. And then I went and I, I saw Olivia just bawling in the audience. And I was like, do you want to come with me? up to the star lounge, whatever. And she's, she said she did. So I just picked her up and carried her. And it's, you know, nobody's allowed to do that. But at, at this point they were just like, yes, of course. Even I, I, Tom was like, yeah, yeah. Like that's what should happen. I remember mm-hmm. hearing his voice. And then, um, you know, Aaron Andrews, who was amazing, was, was up there and she was really sweet. And I remember saying something like, you know, yeah, we need our, we need votes this time. And Aaron goes, oh, please. 
And so we were, so this is, this is the weird thing. This is like, I feel so silly and stupid telling this part of the story because it's so. It was big in our life at the time. It was time. big in our life at the mm-hmm. time. So I'm on stage with Emma for this final lim- elimination. <coughs> and um, I'm just like, oh, thank God. I'll be home in a matter of moments. And I see Len and he is livid. There's a producer talking to him and Len is just, and I turn to Emma, I was like, Len is pissed. Never seen him like that. And so, um, you know, they start doing the elimination. And at this point, I'm really hoping that Lauren Elena is going to get through to the finals because Lauren is really fun and she's a buddy of mine. And after the finals, you have to fly to New York. And I'm like, it'd be really fun if Lauren's on the plane. Um, so they like announce a couple people who are safe and then it's down to one other name and they announce that Lauren is going to the finals. And my first thought is, oh, that's great. And then I realized that means I'm in the bottom too, which had never happened. So we walk down the steps and I'm thinking, oh, that's embarrassing. I'm in the bottom too. And, uh, the first judge says, uh, Carrie Ann is like, oh, I, I, I can't, I, you know, I, I'm going to save, and she saves uh, Allie. So at this point, the judges can save who mm-hmm. of the bottom two. They can pick one to go to the finals. And the other um, girl who was in the bottom two with me is Allie Brooke, who 100% deserves to be in the finals, danced her ass off, worked her ass off. We love I Allie. love her. <laughs> love. You become yeah. such good friends outside you of really the show. Bond, yeah. You really do bond with mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And so as we were walking down the stairs, I was like, oh, man, that sucks that Allie's going. Because Allie really like deserves to be in the finals. She she really, really does. And she's come such a long way and her story was so great. She's such a good person. And also Sasha was her partner, who I'm very close to. So I'm like, oh, that sucks, man. We're going to be going to the finals and Sasha's going home and that sucks. And so Carrie Ann announces that she's saving Allie. And I thought, that's great. Rather than make it a unanimous like decision, that's really cool. We make it a split decision. And then Bruno goes next. And Bruno's saying, uh, based on, on, on tonight and tonight only. And I'm thinking, you could say something nicer about Allie. Like she's really dumb. And he says she's there. He's saving Allie and Sasha too. It never occurred to me that I would be going home. Like it just wasn't even on the realm of possibility. And this is not any slight to Allie at all. The entire audience goes, no. I've never experienced the two weirdest moments I've ever experienced on stage were that night within like an hour of each other. And the entire, the energy goes through the floor and Allie goes, no, James needs to go. And she says to Tom Berger and Amelia, can I give James my spot? God bless her. God bless her. And I, and I literally, and he's like, no, sweetie, that's very, that's very sweet of you. And then Allie comes up to me and says, I'm going to, I'm going to quit the show. And I just said, no, absolutely not. You deserve to be there. You're going to go, you're going to kill it like a hundred percent. The first, and I kind of went out of body during this whole moment. First thing I did when they announced it was I embraced Emma and I felt really bad for her because I knew she really wanted to go to the finals and she really wanted a shot at winning. And she was compassionate. And she's so compassionate. Yeah. So they announced that I'm going home. The audience erupts in protest. Allie says, no, James is staying. 
I embrace Emma. And then my first thought is, oh, my God, Kimberly is going to be pissed. Oh, yes, she was. And then my, sec- my third thought is I feel like I can hear my mother cursing all the way from Connecticut. She also was. Because I know she was also <laughs> going to be livid. And then next thing I know, Sasha, who's just been saved, has his head on my shoulder going, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Sasha, it's all good. <laughs> so I'm like taking care of everybody. And then... <laughs> we can laugh about it now. <laughs> and then and the band tries to play. Dun, 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 and the audience is just not having it. Everybody else has been eliminated, has been carried off, you know, like, yeah. a, like, Rudy, like the end of Rudy. And at this point, the cast just walks out like zombies. Like yeah. they didn't know what to say what to do the band's trying to play nobody's buying it and then i hear olivia Mm. and i hear her wail Mm. so i went over and i and i just sat with her and then people were trying to comfort me and it was there all everybody was very sweet thank god for helen addy being there as well helen addy were right there with jenny yeah and then finally i just picked her up and i She's just bawling and sobbing. And I picked her up and I just carried her across the stage out to my trailer. And she's still crying and still crying. I didn't know what to do. And so I said, Liv, sometimes it's okay to curse. (laughs) We were on the same page. I said, (laughs) You at home? (laughs) This has been a shitty fucking week. And she looks at me and it finally got her out of crying. <laughs> the I shock. Sa- I said, and you know what I'm doing? I'm stealing this fucking costume. And I did. I literally stole the costume. I just shoved it in my bag. I'm like, I'm taking this. And she, again, her eyes went wide. Terrible lesson to teach a child. But I was under extreme duress. And um, it worked. And it got her to stop crying. And I did also call the wardrobe department. Yeah, he's and, really bad at stealing. I, yeah. d- I said, listen, I took the costume. And they said, good, you keep that. They were so like <laughs> on my side. I was like, okay, I just don't want you guys to get in trouble. Like, what costume? Like, I love those guys. <laughs> That's awesome. The wardrobe department, they're just awesome. Every, all the, the, Everybody. the PAs, the producers, the dancers, yeah. the band. I mean, just everybody, it was just such a beautiful environment. And honestly, mm-hmm. it was exactly the kind of like place I needed to trust fall into um and then uh Allie knocks on my door and she says listen I'm quitting the show I'm going to the finals I'm like no (laughs) you're very sweet I was like this is amazing for you go crush it no regrets like you do it and so Liv got to watch me give you know Allie that little like pep talk and then I went home and the next day I didn't have dancing in my life. And honestly, we needed that. We needed it. Thank we God. We did. We Thank needed it. Thank God I wasn't learning dances and doing the whole thing. And, you know, I understand for a number of reasons why they did it. Um, At the time, I'll be honest, at the time it sucked. Mm-hmm. But none of that matters. Honestly, it all worked out. Um. You know, that that end of it 
And now it's like a big controversy and people still tell me, you were robbed. <laughs> oh yeah, we and get that. It's, it's really cute. And I appreciate yeah. I appreciate it every time. <laughs> yeah. But um I'd say one out of every like five times we go out publicly, somebody comes up to you and tells you, Hey, you should have won dancing with the stars. <laughs> and back to to bring it back. I think my mom talks about it maybe daily. Oh my god, your mom, I actually have to tell your mom to please not talk about it in front of the kids because she's still angry about it. <laughs> She's still, she is, she, she has written them multiple letters. Oh my gosh, she's Thanks, written them mom. She, she oh refuses to watch the show since. Yeah. And oh I have a lot god. of people tell me that too. Oh my God. Wow. It's really. Um, we, we watched the show every single episode since then. And we had the week. best time as a family. Yeah. We really do. I love it. I root for people. Like it's, yeah, I, I really do love. Yeah. I love the show and I love everybody. Yeah. Else. The show honestly should have you back with emma to do your final freaking freestyle dance that is what the show should do as a guest guest star i'd get in shape for that (laughs) i'd work i'd work out dancing with the stars you hear (laughs) special edition (laughs) and dancing has become a part of my life it is my expression it's how i keep saying i mean i danced this morning just in the barn first thing i did when we moved to this property was put in a dance floor (laughs) it's um it's really become a part of my life but to get back to this you don't have to perform for anybody thing which is something that i'm there are layers and levels that i'm always working through right especially weird because i'm in a business where like perception is currency Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's odd, but I got this amazing creative experience outlet. Made these friends. And in terms of the performative part of it, when people say who I don't, you know, people who don't know any of this story, like I just signed up at this gym here in Austin. So, oh, you're on Dance with the Stars. What place did you come in? Oh. And the answer is fifth. Right after Sean. Right. I, I did one better than Sean Spicer, technically. Oh, on, on the show. Ouch. Said like that. <laughs> Literally. We were so I went back for the for the finale. And in the finale they um introduce you in the mm. reverse order in which you were eliminated. Mm. So I'm standing right behind Sean. And Sean's like, Wow, I he said something about order of people being eliminated. I said well, Sean, I beat you by one. And he turns around and goes, that's insane. (laughs) (laughs) For anybody that didn't watch, I mean, James constantly every week just performed full heart incredibly beautifully. He was favored to win. We all had an expectation that at the very least he would make it to finals. But the, the lesson is I got to have the creative experience without the performative little ego kick of saying mm-hmm. to the guy at the gym who goes, what, what, what place did you come in? I can't go. I won. You can't even say second. I can't even say second. <laughs> I, say, I say fifth, which makes it sound like I got up there and embarrassed myself a little bit and got eliminated <laughs> early, which, you know what? I think that's okay. I think that's good medicine in and of itself too. Mm. And I've, I can't announce anything yet, but I am finally saying yes to a movie in which I will actually get to dance. So, but the... um, It's been announced. My mom sent me articles. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, she did. 
Yeah, I'm doing a uh, there's a bridesmaids type comedy uh, that stars Leslie Mann and Rebel Wilson as high school friends who go on a cruise ship, featuring their favorite '90s band to try to recapture the magic they've lost since high school. Oh my god! And they needed somebody to play the leader of the '90s boy band. And I was like, all right. I think it's time to go back to work. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> if I say no to this, I may as well retire. Yeah. This James. just sounds like too much fun. Wow. He's like, do I sing? Do I dance? Uh-huh. Yes, yes, done. Done. Yeah, what an incredible. The, do you want to read the script? I'm like, yeah, just get it to me at some point. <laughs> just get it to me some point. It, it, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. But the, yeah. the thing I guess that I would want to share is... Um, in that subsequent ceremony that I was talking mm-hmm. about where I had to walk down the stairs and, and relive the experience in my body instead of out of my body. Yeah. What I was shown in that moment, listen, I've, I try to be the best person I can be. And I, I try to, you know, fight against the, the worst <laughs> inclinations of ego as much as I can. But I feel like there's a version of me at some point in my life, that when I was eliminated and Allie said, I'm going to let James go through, at some point in my life, there was a part of me that would have tried to say yes. Right? Like, Mm. yeah, hey, she says I should, you know, that that would have like put up that kind of stink about it. But it didn't at all. And what I saw, I was like out of my body, looking at myself, comforting Emma, And what I saw was grace. It was a grace that I don't think I had really been fully in touch with before that moment. And what I got very clearly was that that grace was the gift of that boy who came into our lives for that moment. Mm -hmm. That that was something that he wanted to Show me I had. And so people, anybody who goes through this, I, it's, it's a story I sometimes tell if I think they might be open to it, that it really is my belief that these, these little souls come into our lives for a purpose. And the purpose is for us. They're fine. They have chosen this. They, I mean, what are the, whatever the details are, it doesn't really matter. What matters is kind of our response to it. And it, mm-hmm. It does. It opens us up. It breaks us open. It makes us closer. It gives us more appreciation. And in this case, I was shown that I was given access mm-hmm. to grace, and that mm-hmm. was and that was his gift to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, and for that, I am I am forever grateful. I I it's it's wild. Man. I mean, I still feel him. Mm. And there's a part of me that that even misses him because I just had a very specific energetic imprint. And so I think about him a lot and I think about him when I I hold Jeremiah, our little miracle baby. Mm, yeah. Double rainbow, yeah. Um, and I feel like he's got two brothers who look over him energetically and you know, it's all exactly perfect the the worst of the worst the the ego bruises the 
the lessons that that we learned. I just, uh, you know, when I when I talk to people who've gone through it, especially particularly guys, what I say is, really give yourself time to grieve. Mm. Go into it, because that's that that is the gift of the experience, and it's a terrible thing to go through. But there is magic in it there is medicine in it there are there is growth in it if you allow yourself to grieve mm. wow yeah that's and if you can try to avoid getting booted off a reality dance competition the next day, <laughs> that might also make it a little less complicated for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, wow. Yeah. That was such an intense time. Yeah. That was so, so, so wow. Wild. So I was be- on a plane when I got uh, that, like, what? But, you know, it was, it was all perfect. It was it, yes. beautiful, yeah. beautifully know, but... intense when you zoom out yeah. and you can see the beauty and offerings of the time, yeah. the lesson in surrender, the beauty and grace, you know, all the things, the perfection of actually having you back home that week. Yeah. Yeah. We all needed you. The kids needed you. I was insane for saying I, you needed to stay. I needed, yeah. And I needed to be there too. Yeah. yeah. All the yeah. healing that could happen, yeah. you know, the and divine Hannah, doesn't and make Hannah mistakes. won, and she danced great and totally yeah. deserved to win. It was yeah. like, and I didn't have to also fly to New York the day after the finals. That would have sucked. Which I probably, yeah. I'm honestly, I probably would have gotten out of that, but. <laughs> but that's not celebratory not. for the show. No, you know, it's not. Yeah. And also, how do you, even as a producer, like if I put my producer hat on, how do you have a celebratory final? And not have it be dragged down by my tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that part I kind of get. Yeah. Um, That's showbiz. (laughs) That is showbiz. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for all that rawness, both of you. Yeah. You seem like you have something on your mind, baby. Actually, I'm a blank slate. I'm like, what am I adding to this? I have nothing. Like, it's just, I went through it. I feel like it's sort of purged through my cells every time I share it. And there have been several moments where I'm realizing this is going to be a really raw, pretty detailed account of what happened and what's the purpose here. And um, the purpose is for us. Like when we do something for us, that's a, maybe a final or another layer of the grieving onion. Of course, it's going to be great for somebody. It may open up somebody in a way they're uncomfortable with, or maybe it's going to give them permission to share, or maybe it's going to allow somebody to realize there's a process for the man as well. I don't think a lot of people think about that, but I'm just, I'm just at peace with the whole experience and um even though i've shed tears and emotion through it i think my body is still Mm. grieving but for me i'm in such a a peaceful place with it um it really built a vessel of appreciation for me i was telling james the other day because jeremiah has been our least great sleeper 
And, you know, I've been advising so many people on how to get their babies to sleep. And the hilarious thing is now with this child, it's like, he's not going to bed. He Now he's sleeping through the night, but for the longest time he wasn't. And, you know, me and all my great advice had no clue what to do, but I was I think telling, we would have figured it out by after five <laughs> he's kids. He's making well, you guys up level your game. He's making <laughs> us up level. And that how we finally got him to do it's for another day about James soul to soul conversation with him. But I would go into snuggle with him at night and I would feed him. And I was telling James, I probably made it happen because I would touch the back of his little curls while he was feeding. And I would say, I love this so much. I love this so much. I love this so much. You're the best baby in the whole world. You're the cutest thing in the whole world. I love this so much. And I'd tell him all night long. Uh, so like, <laughs> of course would, he's not going to give would, that up. Would you not wake up for that? <laughs> right. Would so you, why would you? He's getting yeah. his hot milk with... <laughs> you know, honey flavors on tap while he's getting like caressed and adored and told he's like the best thing that ever existed. And I tell him in all the timelines that exist in all the history of all the universes in all the world, you are the cutest baby. How does it feel to be the cutest baby that ever existed in the past, the present and the future? And of course, all my children to me are the cutest babies, but just this gratitude mm. and appreciation for him is unparalleled. And I am, I have so much gratitude on the zoom out for the whole experience. Yeah. And there's a level of grief that the physical body has to process I was actually yeah. sitting with my womb today and last night and letting it know, like there's another layer that gets to be processed now. Yeah. And you know, my, it's not just my emotional field lost a baby, but my physical field yeah. lost a baby. It's always the last. I think the shedding in the body is always the last. The mind comes first, the emotions, mm -hmm. and then the last layer is really rooted in the body. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important because the mind wants to go, wait, I've already dealt with this. Why am I sad? Right. It's because it's finally now coming up to be released because the rest of you can handle it now. Yeah. Right. So you've purged so much, you've released grief so much. Yeah. That now it's coming up because all the rest of you is healed and it's the last kind of container of holding that yeah. that space for yourself. Yeah. It really yeah. feels like the tears are for my body. Yeah. Because my emotions like, you know. Yeah, I was surprised how emotional I became. Yeah. But then I was like, well, when do I really talk about this? I don't because it's not my story. So I don't share it. But it, it actually and, but is your story too. It is. But you know, it's so intimate, right? Like I've shared it with Bobby, mm. you know, obviously, but like, oh, see, it's just still right there. Yeah. Yeah. And because I haven't really allowed myself to sit with it, mm. that bringing this up, I can feel all of my relief, you know, in terms of that you're still here, mm. you know, you got her home safely and the joy that Jeremiah is here. Right? There's like that celebration of uh, that yeah, longing wow. and that wanting for that second boy. And Which we were not open to. I know. Should we, should we <laughs> briefly tell, kind of tell that story just to kind of yes. wrap it up? During Snowpocalypse, Kimberly <laughs> invites me out to the barn. This was in 2021? 20, sure. Is that February, I think? Yeah. All of Austin is shut down. There's a snowstorm. Mm -hmm. And so she invites me out. We cr I crunch through the snow. She plays this song 
It was on Valentine's Day, and there's a baby crying in the Oh, song. I asked you to dance. Come on, baby. Tell the story right. Sorry. You asked I asked to you dance. to dance. There's a playlist of a variety of songs. So he was like, oh, this is so great. My woman wants to dance with me. And then on the last one, there were these like crying sounds. And then the, the but it was a cute song. I can't even remember what it's called. And it's like, we're having a baby or something in the lyrics. And, and I looked at you and I said, no. And you were smiling and I was like, no. Yeah. I was pissed off and terrified. I was not happy. I was so afraid. You almost died twice in Beverly Hills when the ambulance is three seconds away. We're out in the country. It would, I mean... We're 20, 30 minutes from an ambulance at best, probably. Mm. And for like two weeks, I was just absolutely terrified of the weight of the, because both miscarriages had happened at 17 and a half weeks, almost exactly, right? Mm-hmm. So like, like, what are we going to do? And you know, at that point, because you, you bled during those losses, like way more than during a, regular birth so I'm like is something wrong like I didn't mm. know anything and then we met our doctor here in Texas Dr. We, Barry yeah from Austin perinatal and associate he'll have to come on here and tell his, mm. his whole story too but but my from my perspective he said well if you miscarried at that stage it really can be due to one thing. Especially uh, the baby was tested and we had seen in the baby, there was no abnormality. There was nothing, mm-hmm. no reason. He said it's it's what they call an incompetent cervix. And I said, what woman-hating old dude <laughs> named it an incompetent cervix? And he laughed. And I thought, okay, you can be our doctor. <laughs> and so he calls, he said, well, I'll call it a weakened cervix for you. Well, like, now they do. Now yeah. that's okay. the terminology used. But literally, it was called an incompetent cervix. My God, the, I want to slap him. The way he, well, he was awesome about it. He's, no, not him. I mean, yeah. whoever, whoever named, named it that. It, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I still have a, I still have a whole beef with the word miscarriage. Mm. Because it, in a weird, insidious way, puts guilt on the woman. Mm. Why do we say? We didn't say, oh, the baby was lost. No, she miscarried mm. as if she could have carried it. But she miscarried it. It's nothing that the woman has done in like all but the most extreme circumstances from what I've been told by doctors. So just even that subtle, oh yeah, she couldn't bring the baby to term. She miscarried. It was a miscarriage. A miscarriage of justice means somebody did something wrong. A miscarriage of a baby is just that baby wasn't, meant to come into the world. It can happen mm-hmm. for so many reasons and none of them have anything to do with anything that's the mother's fault. So yeah. I, when I, when I can, I say pregnancy loss just because mm-hmm. it's an emotional enough thing for, for women and their mm-hmm. fathers to, you know, baby daddies to like go through yeah. than to like have that subtle little bit yeah. of guilt thrown on. So yeah, so I kind of went apoplectic at, Incompetent cervix, and he said, "No, he, I guess it is called a weakened cervix." And 
Yeah. But he explained, yeah, that essentially, you know, the cervix is collagen and a bunch of other stuff. And when the baby gets to a certain weight, the cervix is, might be too weak to hold it. And so mm-hmm. it falls through. It just mm-hmm. dilates, yeah. And so the solution is you cinch it up like a garbage bag with a cervical cerclage. I love that I'm mansplaining what a cervical cerclage is to somebody who's had one. This is, this is awesome. <laughs> um, and then, but I, I, I'm telling it from my perspective. Yep. From the layman's dude side of it. It's and, okay, baby. And then, and, and <laughs> so, and then um, take it out in the, in the office it took like three minutes to take it out. Not and, even. And then that by that point, the baby is big enough to be held in by the hip bones. Yeah. And then you give birth naturally. So I went from being absolutely terrified. We had no idea why this is going to happen. Mm. It might happen again. Kim might die for like two weeks to be told by Dr. Barry, oh yeah, it's a simple solution. He diagnosed it. He told us a solution. The solution wasn't stay off your feet for nine months right? or you have to give birth in the oh. hospital, which I know yeah. Kim didn't want to do. That's not my place you unless can... I'm told from the divine to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So now yeah. we're open. Now we're open. Yeah. We're open. Yeah. Yeah. We're open. Um, <laughs> well, can I say yeah. that Dr. Fishbein, my doctor told me to, after the second one, he said, when I told him I was pregnant again, he said, you probably want to consider getting a cervical cerclage. And Dr. Barry came as, in as an angel to fill in all the blanks and and do it. And I think he's done the most out of any doctor in mm. Texas. And he's done a ton of research. And he put me at such ease. And, um, and actually, I would really love to have him on because mm. in medical school, I believe that what I've been told is that it's like after three to five late-term miscarriages. After three late-term, then they recommend the cerclage. But according to the medical books, they don't recommend until after the third. And he was saying, I recommend it after the first because there's really only one thing that it could be if you experience a loss of an otherwise healthy baby at that stage. At that stage. At Mm -hmm. that stage. It's likely that. So mm. why make the woman go through that again? Mm. And the other thing he explained as to why you bled so much. Uh, let's leave that to Dr. I'll Barry. leave that to him. But it was, <laughs> yeah. it was an explanation that made total sense based mm. on where you were at mm. and what happened and how it all transpired. Mm-hmm. And, that it, and it assured me that, that it would not be an issue with a full-term baby, mm. and it was not. Yeah. So that was, that was just... And you, a, got, and you had Jeremiah on time, or we should say... That's yeah, because he was due, he was due on, on my birthday. birthday. Yeah. yeah, so so wild. <gasps> and we, we did, and we didn't know if it would be a boy because yeah. I'd already had to tell Joshua twice. Yeah, that the that, and before that, when we had Gwen, we were convinced Gwen was going to be a boy, and we got the test back, and we found out it wasn't. We told Joshua, it's, "You're going to get another sister," and he got really quiet, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to play now." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> And then I talked to him that night. I said, how you feeling? And he says to me, Daddy, today was a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> today was a jerk. Yeah. Was a jerk he, he found it and he wanted a brother. And so yeah. twice I had to tell him. Yeah. It was, but it's not. So we didn't find out until he was until Jeremiah was born. Well, I would love to do another episode where we talk about Jeremiah's birth because it was really special. Yeah. Yeah. To have somebody special there. Peggy. That was and my first witnessing of a birth, yeah. not even my own. 
So, <laughs> meaning my own children. Yeah. Yeah. So she had C sections and yeah. she couldn't see the drape, the lovely yeah. drape. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it was incredible. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, baby. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Just that for anybody who's gone through this, or really any trauma, the world gets ready to pick back up long before your healing is done mm. and long before you've had time to process. Because it's not their tragedy. It's not their trauma. It's not their sadness. And so they, they can't be expected to carry it for you. And so they'll want to just kind of, you know, get right back to it. Um, and so I would just say, really create that space for yourself. Like you said, Peggy, like the brain thinks I've already processed this. I've already cried. It's been three weeks. It's been mm -hmm. three months. It's been a year. We have another baby. Whenever it comes up, just being in a, a space of allowing, I have found, really, really feels good on the other side of it. Yeah, really honor the feelings as they're coming up. Step aside, give yourself permission to feel it, allow it, you know. And I always say, even if it's three to five minutes mm -hmm. and then stop and then hold yourself and thank it, and, mm -hmm. and then that's a process. Maybe it'll come back two hours and do the same thing and then two hours again. And, and allowing that process kind of a little bit like letting an air out of a balloon, mm. allows you to stay composed and it doesn't allow you to then to go deep into depression or deep into, deep into the sorrow where you can't get out of bed, right? So it allows you to be able to function while honoring what you've felt and what you've gone through. Yeah. yeah. So that's a beautiful reminder, James, yeah. And the other thing too is when people, whenever anybody experienced a tragedy before that, I would reach out and I didn't really know what to say. I would say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm just letting you know I'm thinking about you. But that always felt like just not enough. And what I realized going through this was that was totally enough from people. Just anybody saying, hey, just sending you love. I'm so sorry. It just let me know that I was being held energetically, emotionally on some level. Yeah. Even people online who wrote, Sean Spicer wrote, texted me, got your number, just wanted to reach out. I really appreciated it, yeah. you know? Um, not, you know, it was probably the last person I thought I would like want to hear from at the moment, but like it was really, really, he was very, very sweet about it. And I really appreciated that bit of humanity. Um, and so, yeah, just for anybody with anyone else who experiences something like this in, in your life, and, and if you want to reach out and tell them you're thinking about them, don't underestimate the power of that. Yeah. And I, and I just, I want to build off that. Like there, I don't know that anybody can have an expectation that a friend would know how to maneuver in this scenario or even have the capacity to, um, process this with somebody. Yeah. So, um, that's a really beautiful share on just sending love. I know that I didn't get to even all the messages immediately, but at some point I went through and read them and they brought a smile to my face. Same. They, they made me feel really loved and cherished and it made me have a new appreciation for life. Yeah. Um, gosh, I remember that first sunset back home from the hospital and that Sunday it was like marginal, 
compared to other ones, but to me it was the most beautiful sunset, you know, and then just having, yeah, those messages, flowers, anything. Yeah. There are people on on the Dancing with the Stars set who just gave me a hug and no word at all. Mm. And it was exactly what I needed. I just so appreciated to whatever degree anybody was able to just show up and say, Hey, thinking of you. Even yeah. to say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, to say. say. You, yeah, nobody yes. expects you to know what to exactly. say. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what I didn't yeah. get before. Yeah. I always felt like, God, I, I should know what to say or I should know how to yeah. help them or I should say something that's helpful. You don't have to help anybody. You don't have to help anybody bypass. You don't. Mm. And also, obviously, I mean, everybody knows this, but like abandon any need for them to be okay. Because if they're not okay, they're just going to not be okay for a little while. Yeah, be okay with them not being okay. Yeah, that's yes. that, that's the maybe thing. the best gift you can give to somebody. It absolutely is. Absolutely. I had one really close friend actually who I was talking to like a week or two later, and I was like kind of getting into it, like you know, I'm just I'm really still going through it. And this friend said, "Yeah, but you know, these things happen, and you know, you got some great kids, so don't." And it was like, that's the least helpful thing he could have said to me. Yeah, but they he, just don't know. He just yeah. wasn't. They didn't know. They don't know. Yeah, and he just didn't yeah. want me to be in pain, so he was trying to yeah. help make it better. And and you can't only only you can do that by by feeling into it. Sometimes yeah. the only way out is in. Is yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, always. Well, the next time I come on this, <laughs> I think we should not talk about this again. <laughs> I think we can talk about Jeremiah's birth. We can talk to uh-huh. Doctor Barry, who has solutions and. Um, But before we wrap, I just, from my heart to anybody else that suffered a pregnancy loss of any kind or a stillbirth or an abortion, any, any kind of loss, just person to person, sending you love Mm. and compassion and just heartfelt appreciation for the time that you went through and so much love. And um, may this be your permission slip to process silently, to process through your voice, to process through your dance, through your words, you know, whatever feels right to you to just move into it and let it be. And you know what you need more yeah. than anybody. Yeah. yeah. So, beautiful. And honor that. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, James. Thanks, baby.